Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood sub-genres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, all my beautiful Broadway friends. It's me, your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, back with a very special holiday episode of the Broadway cast. I cannot believe we're already here. It's the holiday season. Here in New York, the trees are lit up. Rockettes are kicking up their heels at Radio City. Saks Fifth Avenue's window is dolled up for the season, and folks are flocking from all over the world to take in that magical holiday air slash smog in New York City. You know, when you think about it, many of us had some of our earliest exposure to theater in Christmas pageants, choir performances, holiday dance recitals, not to mention that must-watch holiday fair on TV and movies. I remember so very well watching The Sound of Music every year around Christmas. I also remember playing Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol at the ripe old age of 12. That's a lot of silver hairspray and felt-top hats, which as you will find out in this episode, is not such an uncommon stop on your road to Broadway. Nowadays, we have a whole slew of holiday offerings on stages all over the world. We've got A Christmas Story, the musical, White Christmas, to name a few. So to get into the spirit, we've gathered together three Broadway superstars whose names and fates are linked to the holidays. We've got the original Buddy the Elf in Elf the Musical, Sebastian Arcellus. Tony-nominated star of Holiday Inn, not to mention of Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, one of my favorites, Bryce Pinkham, and the OG Grinch and current Hades in Town, the one and only Patrick Page. Now, what unfolded over the hour and change that we got to speak is really nothing short of magic. I think you're going to be especially taken with the care and respect that these gents have for each other and the iconic roles that they've played. So, put on your kerchief and put on your cap. Get ready to feel snugly all over, because this is a holiday episode for the ages. Now, before we get into it, as always, I've got to remind you that you've got to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Rate the show, review the show, share the show with your friends. Also, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can do that at The Broadway Cast. Follow me at Ben Does Broadway. And if you want to support us even more, you can become part of our Patreon family by clicking the link in the liner notes, my favorite line to say. 
and we're going to make some behind-the-scenes content just for you, our Patreon family. Isn't that marvelous? So we hope that you will support us and follow us in all those ways. Now, it's time for a holiday extravaganza spectacular like no other. So what do you say? Let's go. Ho, 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 ho. On with the show. Well, a ho, 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 it, they are here now all together, which is always an uh, incredible feat that we can pull this kind of talent together at this hour of the morning. You don't know that, but it's, this is morning that you are getting these gentlemen. Let's say hello to these uh, holiday punks. Hmm, weird, objectifying. Um, we'll start by saying hello to Bryce Pinkham. We know him and love him from Holiday Inn and Gentleman's Guide. Uh, good morning, Bryce. Good morning, indeed. Uh, tell us a little bit now. You are knee deep in uh, previews for Ohio State murders. Talk to, uh, how's that going? It's good. I've decided that I only do shows with murder in the title from now on. So um, I guess Murder, She Wrote, the musical is next. Um, somebody's got to write it. Um, Jessica Fletcher is clearly the role you were born to play. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And it's, it's always been, yeah, inside me somewhere. It's important uh, to know the, your brand. I am having a wonderful time, um, you know, who would turn down the opportunity to be near Audra McDonald on stage? Um, and every night I'm just like, cool, I'll have my masterclass from the stage. Um, and so it's been an incredible experience just to watch her work. The show is mostly um, 75 minutes of Audra um, doing this incredible monologue, telling the story and, and a few of us pop in to sort of populate her memory. Um, and it's uh, it feels super, super important. And part of the commitment that the Broadway community um, made to to center black voices and center um, black women. And, you know, Adrienne Kennedy, the playwright, is finally making her long overdue Broadway debut at 91. Um, Amazing. You know, a celebrated playwright who who never had a play produced on Broadway. So um, this is this is the first time one of her plays is is there and feels very special to be a part of the group that's bringing it to life. And also at the uh, at the James Earl Jones Theater. Indeed, the newly, very newly, the newly renamed James Earl Jones. So yeah, there's 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 lots of good feeling around the space for sure. Now, do you do you and other cast members hang out in the wings and and watch Audra tear into it? Um, or do you have to get back into your, into your own zone? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, that is it. It's a very sort of like, <laughs> it's like theater church backstage. We're all sort of like, um, you know, <laughs> watching the, the, the queen, um, uh, perform, perform the, the ritual every night, you know, just sort of like peeking out from behind the curtain. Um, it really is incredible to, to see her do what she does. And opening night's coming up on uh, December. December All right. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Sebastian Arcelis is here, the OG Buddy the Elf, and uh, just moments ago stepped off stage at Into the Woods. Uh, and Sebastian, you can say it. I'm the one of us of... that's, I'm the one of the three of us that's unemployed. You can say it. <laughs> no, I, I, why did you take off, Sebastian? You know, uh, as it turns out, um, I was only ever invited to join Into the Woods because Brian, thank God for his illustrious career, uh, took a leave of absence to go shoot a film. So uh, 
my wife, bold as she is, said, hey, if Brian ever takes a leave of absence, you should think of Seb. And he did, and they did. And so it was this beautiful synergy and uh, just a bit of luck that uh, that came down and, and, and created what, as it turns out, was one of the most complete uh, theater experiences in my life. It was it was short, but it was very, very sweet. Um, I, I just think that the rise of this production has been so fun to watch these incredible luminaries get to come in and do what is arguably everybody's favorite musical. It's it's wild, you know, and to that end, actually, when people saw the show or when they, you know, obviously still coming to see the show, it's very much like they sort of start to share their experience with the show and not just how it it, 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 it it may have affected them, but their history with the show and what it means to them. Obviously we can't pretend like we're not different people after the last few years of our lives. And so um, I think it, it's hitting uh, differently um, for a lot of us. And um, it, 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 it's just like, sort of all of life's questions and answers are in there, you know, right? So mm. uh, coming out on the heels of the pandemic or in the midst of, of it as, as, as we are, um, it, it definitely hits home. And I think people are walking away uh, both heartened and um, affected. And that has been a beautiful experience. So um, it's a beautiful telling of it. And mm. to get to do it with Stephanie was... Uh, beyond all description so um you know the dream uh, it's, it's pretty it was pretty dreamy not to be yeah. cheesy, you guys been on, had you been dreamy. on stage together before you know the only other time was uh when we met which was doing wicked on tour and then we did wicked for a short period on broadway together um we actually had our 15th wedding anniversary on stage you know performing in into the woods and we actually got married at City Hall and went and performed Wicked together on stage on Broadway as well. Come so on. it was it was like a, a 15 year bookend, uh, you know, while you're telling the story and playing roles that you've dreamt about since you were 16, right? So um, it, it all of it doesn't make sense, uh, but it is just, it was so much fun, so much fun. I, I mean, having you in the show, though, I know you said that Stephanie told them that that's what they should do. It's such a no brainer. Um, when I heard you were going, I was like, well, yes, 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 this, this is right. Well, I love that. I mean, you know, as it turns out, I think um, we have a, so many different parallels to the story, you know, in, in a larger sense uh, that we joked that I don't know if they know how uh, how much we really are the bakers and uh you bake at home just tell me you bake at home i mean i try (laughs) i try but i'm actually the irony is that i've actually been gluten-free since 1995 (laughs) oh like i'm silly first gluten-free baker that's it that's it now that adds a level and a layer to it that no one could have seen coming that's right i brought the gf bakery into the woods and uh yes fully celiac sponsored bakery of course steph jokes that you know i can't have carbs and she loves them so we um we sort of have uh half the bakery is mine no cross contamination and half is hers and that's that's what makes a happy partnership yeah exactly um 
also with us, who is currently absolutely 100% Mr. Christmas this year with Spirited having just come out. I just saw it. This is the legend Patrick Page here with us. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. How are you, Bendy? I'm so good. And if you were wondering if we were lying about Patrick being on the show, you just heard that voice. And now all of your doubts have been quelled. Uh, I saw Spirited. It's wonderful. You're Thank wonderful. You. I'm so, uh, I'm just so delighted to be part of it. It's so joyous and big and current and, and fun. And uh, it's fun to watch you break out and be so wonderfully silly in a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, oh my gosh. I just love being, you know, in a comedy, having done Hades Town now for six years um, to be able to, able, I, and we, I, I also shot um, a, a season of uh, Schmigadoon, which is uh, now going to be called Schmicago in Vancouver. Right. <laughs> I, I got to be silly with that. Um, so that that's that's a joy. I've got to find some more comedy when I leave the underworld, which is coming up pretty soon. Fun fun fact, Patrick. I'm I'm going to be in the audience at your last show. I'll be there. Are you really? I oh. am. I'm coming. Yep. I Thank I'm not going to miss that. Are you kidding me? Be a part of history if you can. Thank uh, you. Let, let's trace it back for the three of you for the delight of our listeners. Where have your lives intersected? I think we've established Sebastian, Patrick, Schmigadoon. Chicago. Uh, where else have your paths linked or crossed throughout your careers, all, all three of you? Well, Sebastian and I did a time to kill together on Broadway. That's right. Yes. Which I, I absolutely adored working with him. And um, likewise, it, the, the show was um, short lived, but uh, I really loved doing it. I remember so I. At the time I said, I could play this character for a long time. It was very, it was very satisfying to play. It was very um, well made in that way and lots of fun and just extraordinary actors in it, Tanya Pinkins and John Douglas Thompson. And I mean, it was, it, it, you know, it, it was it was amazing. And Sebastian Arcellus. So um, that's where our paths crossed. How about you guys? And I loved auditioning for it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell I you something? The audition story about that show, but we probably don't have time for, but it's pretty funny. Tell oh, me if no, I'm, I'm, I'm all intrigued. Now oh, you have to say it. Oh, well, well quick, quick. Uh, I, I, just real quick, is uh, you know, I was auditioning for a Southern lawyer who, was, who had ambitions to be a politician. And so I thought, oh, I don't know anything about that. Who could I, who could I model this on? So I modeled it on the senator and uh, television pitch man and uh, uh, actor Fred Thompson. And um, and so I wow. watched all these videos of Fred Thompson and I came in to do this Fred Thompson impression for my audition and sitting there to go into the room to audition before me was Fred Thompson. Wow, <laughs> I, wow, wow, um, wow. And he went in and he was in there for something like an hour. And I, I just thought, oh, well, that's it. I mean, I, he's got the part. I, I'm doing a pale imitation of him. They were and, like, can you do a little more Patrick Page? Can you do a little yeah, more like that's Patrick what they were Page saying. Well, as it turns out, he was, he was being seen for the judge and I was being seen for the prosecutor. So it worked out just fine. And he, he was a, a lovely man. And we, and we had a, oh, a, what a guy. friendship while we were doing the show. And Fred was this extraordinary human being who was at the time dealing with cancer 
and it, no one knew. And he came in one day with his head shaved and then he would have line problems on stage. And those of us who uh, were, uh, you know, who, who didn't have cancer and weren't in chemotherapy would sort of find ways to improvise and give him uh, a, a sort of what the next line was. And one day he came into my dressing room and we had had a lot of conversations because we were both interested in politics and we were on different sides of the aisle. And, uh, and uh, one day he came into my dressing room and he said, uh, uh, listen, I'm, uh, I'm gonna tell you something because you're my buddy and uh, you should know, but uh, he said, uh, I've got cancer and, and that's why I shaved my head. And uh, he said, on the days I have chemo, I, I, I sometimes I don't even know where I am on stage. I, I, I can't find anything. So I really appreciate you bailing me out. And it was the first time we knew anything about that. And it was really such a lesson in humility about the, what this man was going through and um, being non-judgmental about the fact that he, he occasionally couldn't find his way. And I, 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 just, I just adored him. And of course he passed away sometime after that. But I think it was also just a lesson for us nowadays in like, if somebody can disagree with you ideologically and be a magnificent human being. And mm. um, Fred was a conservative Republican, but uh, just a beautiful, beautiful soul. And that speaks to the beauty of, I think, this community that we're in to a degree where you were able to circle the wagons around him um, to support him, not, not only know, off stage, but on stage. While he was in the show that he had cancer. I think, um, I, I don't know, Seb, if you knew, um, I, I, I think, um, I, I, I don't know who else knew, but very few, including. Yeah, he, he, he did not mention it to me. Um, I, I, obviously, we knew something was going on. And, and, and like you said, uh, there was sort of a, a to most degree, uh, unspoken um, support for him throughout um, the experience. But but I second that he was an extraordinary man, and I too, being on different sides of the aisle. And yet this man is kind of a titan. I mean, he was one of the original Watergate lawyers, right? For Yes. Um, I mean, like, um, uh, and, and of we course, his accomplishment. Remember, Sebastian, when we were in rehearsal, we, we were, it, was a, it was a trial play, a play about a trial. And yeah. we had this lawyer in the room. So we would constantly, yeah. he should have been paid many times what he was paid because yes. he was asked answering legal questions and serving as a dramatist. Yes. For it was great for great for table work. Yeah, um, and, and for a, a laugh. Yeah, that that so slow, soft Southern drawl was just beautiful. Um, yeah. I always wonder about that in in courtroom shows and uh, and Grey's Anatomy too. Like who's on the sidelines telling them exactly what the hell they're saying oh and goodness. what that means, and if it makes any sense in the real world. Uh Want to get to something, friends? We like to uh, break the ice a little bit with a game, and this is particularly silly today as we're celebrating the holidays on our show today. We're going to challenge each of you to give us a holiday presentation in spoken word of of some of our very favorite Christmas songs uh, that I have hand selected for you. That if you could present them in a dramatic reading fashion, I think Sebastian, this just popped up in the chat for you. Maybe if you want to have a look. Uh, I've this particular one. I was as hoping you could. As long as I that. don't have to follow Patrick Page, I I, I will part. Make Patrick I will partake. go last, please. Make him please go last. And oh no! Please I'm highlight. I'm making Patrick go last. <laughs> I'm happy to toss it his way. You must reveal that we have done this at um, 
we, we, we've done this at Broadway sessions. Bendy yes. always, we do a little improv where he gives me a lyric that I haven't seen. And then uh, uh, we do this. So I, I, I have an advantage. You, you do. And um, if you, for everyone listening and for Sebastian and Bryce too, you want to look up um, Patrick doing uh, Anaconda and popular from Wicked. <laughs> These are some of the big hits that he's been able to pull off in spoken word. Uh, all right, Sebastian, if you could deliver just these few lines for us in his- uh, Okay, is there, a, is there any any direction ahead of time, pacing? I, I, uh, I feel like I want I... this to be as house of cards, high stakes as possible. Oh, oh, oh so direct to camera. Oh. I have to look at these, okay. Um, okay. Direct to radio. Yeah. Frosty, the snowman. Snowman? I have a question while he's setting up. <laughs> oh, yeah. My question, Bendy, is, is this podcast uh, video or only audio? It's it's audio. Oh, thank God for that. But you all look beautiful. <clears throat> have no fear. I'm glad I got a second run at that because, uh, okay, here we go. Action. <clears throat> Frosty, the snowman. Snowman. Knew the sun was hot that day. Hot that day so he said let's run and we'll have some fun but now before i melt away frosty the snowman had to hurry on his way but he waved goodbye saying don't you cry i'll be back again someday <laughs> wow wow i you know I that's the darkest part of the song so <clears throat> i felt it was appropriate <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I, I, I watched Patrick uh, on one of your videos uh, where you were reciting a sonnet and I was like, I, I should not, were I ever to have the pleasure of doing Shakespeare professionally, the first phone call I would make, obviously, <laughs> after my <laughs> reading of Frosty the Snowman would be to you. And I'd say, help me, please. That's my I thought favorite. That was Man, my favorite thing is to work on a piece of text with a friend, so. Well. I thought it was expertly done, Sebastian. It, it raised a lot of questions for me. I have a little bit of an internal struggle going on. Yeah, I think there's an existential crisis going on with Frosty that I, I wasn't particularly aware of. I'm this is gonna take some time to process. The man speaking about Frosty, he seemed untrustworthy, but mm. like, like maybe a psychopath, but yeah. maybe like your best friend, you're not sure. No. And you know me so well. <laughs> Speaking of curious, brand. I'm curious how he waved. He says, it says he waved goodbye, but what, with his stick? Yeah. His yeah. stick hand? Yeah, what did he wave? There we get to the heart of it. We know that he was a, a man, so far as the text tells us, so hard to say. And where's uh, he going? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's going down to Hadestown. So hot as the sun. Uh, Bryce, this I'm really delighted. This is one of my favorite holiday tunes, Shirley Temple moment. Um, Until now. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't believe okay. that's true at all. All right. I can see me now on Christmas morning creeping down the stairs. <laughs> what joy and what surprise. When I open my eyes to see my hippo hero standing there. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. No crocodiles, 
or rhinoceroses. I only like hippopopopotamuses. And hippopotamuses like me too. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm openly weeping. The yeah, thing is, I've was... never encountered this before. I've never heard this song. How have I, I never heard this either. song? You, made it. you don't know this song? It's an old Shirley Temple tune, and it goes, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, it's going. But now it's no longer hers. Well, it was new and fresh. Yeah. <laughs> the the standard me. has been Good raised word. and changed, really. Uh, all right, Patrick, here we go giving us, rounding out the holiday, dramatic spoken word. This is a classic. The stage is yours. I have a little dreidel. I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, then dreidel. I shall play. Oh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made it out of clay. And when it's dry and ready, then dreidel, <laughs> I will play. <laughs> my, my dreidel is so playful. It loves to dance and Spin, a happy game of dreidel. Come, play now. Oh my God! Let's begin. <laughs> oh wow! Um, everyone's applauding into their audio devices. That was exceptional. I think you might need to put a little E next to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's just a little explicit. explicit. Not for language, just for intention. Yeah. Just for some really, really intense subtext there. Is there anything better than a pause after Patrick Page says something, knowing that the next thing you're going to hear is also Patrick Page's voice? <laughs> There's nothing better. You really... <laughs> can have it all yeah well it's you the know good news. this is the thing about why i had to know whether it was just audio or video because it went audio you have to be very careful with the pauses or people you know they they think it's over mm. no we're hanging with bated breath for your next On. word i can tell I you love, when I'm with, i love how he discovered we were, sorry go ahead there was a moment when we were doing a, a time to kill where you know how sometimes like a little snippet of the show will pop up online on Broadway.com or something of that nature. And I, I made the mistake of, of clicking on and hearing myself on stage. And I was reminded of how annoyingly high pitched I can sometimes speak as compared to him. I was like, I said to Stephanie, I was like, do I, do I sound like that? Do I sound like that on stage? She's like, it's your voice. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> we have a problem. Well, this we is, oh, none man. of us can listen to ourselves. So, yeah. um, oh, man. Well, that is so I true. Tell you, 
I hate the way my voice sounds on every episode of this. I, in my head, I sound like Patrick Page. That's what I think I sound like. And I'm very confused to hear that's not the case. On playback, Patrick, do you, are you jarred by the sound of your own voice? You're like, yeah, that's it. Uh, no, I have a very hard time listening to myself. Hmm. Uh, I think, or looking at myself or, or thinking about myself or, you know, anything with myself is really problematic for me. Hmm. Well, and that's, and that's why we all became actors. Uh, want to keep the holiday fun going, my friends. Uh, I want to know what are some of your early holiday memories, uh, specifically theatrically? Were you in, were there best Christmas pageants ever? Were you in the, the pageants or the plays when you were growing up? And was that something that kind of spurred your interest in theater? Bryce? My sister was in a um, like a dance school uh, when she was a young girl and they had a production of the Nutcracker every year. And so my, my dad, rather than pay for her tuition, offered to both stage manage the Nutcracker and also play Drusselmeyer. And I got, of course, roped into playing Fritz. And so it was me backstage with an entire school's worth of dancing girls. And I was mortified. Um, and then I ended up doing it like three years in a row. And by the third year, I was like, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, that. So, so that was, that was a, an early like holiday experience was the Nutcracker. And um, thankfully, I didn't have to dance in it. But, um, you know, that that music is just so um, quintessentially holiday. And uh, and it was a lot of time just backstage hanging out with future theater people. So. So, yeah, that definitely um, inculcated me into this into this world. Arguably, the backstage time when you're young is a lot of the reason I think we want to go into this anyway, because the backstage time is so sacred and fun and the people are so nutty and wonderful. My favorite people, certainly. I feel like that's a part of it. How about you, Sebastian? You know, um, I, I wasn't a part of any Christmas plays back then, but I lived outside of New York. I grew up on Long Island. And so we'd come see the Rockettes. And um, and we had, obviously, all the, the typical New York Christmas traditions, be it the Rockefeller Center tree and going to Macy's to, to see Santa. Um, I always remember looking at the... Uh, they were so special back in the day. They still are, but um, the Fifth Avenue um, window, uh, 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 what I'm not finding the word, window dressings, but, you know, the, 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 yeah. Yeah, the displays. And we'd walk up, there would be lines, they like cordoned off and you'd walk up and down Fifth Avenue and then we'd always end up at, um, at uh, there was this next to FAO Schwartz where it used to be on Fifth Avenue where the Apple store is now in that mm -hmm. area. We'd go to FAO Schwartz and there was an old, restaurant there i think it was called the boxcar or something but it had it was down below where the apple store is now and they all the different um booths were actual little boxcars and so we made a christmas tradition of not on christmas but during the season coming in and doing fifth avenue and um and and we're now just crazy christmas fanatics i mean my wife and i this is not a joke legitimately have an entire storage unit of Christmas decorations. Um, Stephanie has been, has been holding on to things since she was a child and amassing things 
for decades here, you know, and, and, um, and we just go full out on all holidays, really. Like we're, you know, we're big decorators. And Couple of our questions. child is, what's that? Couple of questions. Are you like day after Thanksgiving people? Are you day before Thanksgiving people? Mm. And, and do you disagree or agree on when, what's the, when this storage unit can be opened? It's interesting. Mm. Uh, I have almost been uh, indoctrinated. I, I always thought of it as after Thanksgiving. It's starting to creep. Oh, no. um, almost because we just want to enjoy it for longer. I will say this. Her family has Thanksgiving dinner and then watches, you know, a Christmas carol. So it's like, and we start. And the next day, her sister decorates. Um, we're a little slower to the game. We used to have this tradition back um, here in, 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 in New Jersey where on a random day, I would just show up and ring the doorbell and I'd be standing there with a Christmas tree and she would never know what it was. Um, and from that and that day, we just, you know, launched in the season. Um, but we don't we don't mess around. And our daughter, our daughter has taken that baton and is running with it. This morning, I was I was gifted a, a Star Wars uh, Lego um, advent calendar so that every day of the, of the month you open up a little new different thing. So we went down even just this morning down a rabbit hole on uh, Apple iTunes of like mashups of christmas carols with star wars and and, and i mean we 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 just branch off in all kinds of directions there is by the way an imperial march carol of the bells that i highly recommend <laughs> oh i'm gonna look that up always fascinated by the fact that the star wars christmas special was a thing at all i didn't really know how we how we got there but there's b arthur singing a tune in the 70s uh -huh. This morning, my daughter was like, can we, can you, can you just not be the Star Wars dad right now? Can you just be my dad? Anyway. Wow. And the answer obviously is no, no, no. I this said, is I, I, I can't separate one from the other. I'm sorry. Patrick, did you do um, holiday productions pageants when you were in your youth? Uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, I have this lifelong association with a Christmas carol that just keeps coming back and back and back and back. So I played Scrooge, although I have no memory of it, very little memory. I played Scrooge when I was in elementary school. The only thing I remember about that is my brother, who's 19 months younger than me and whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, my Happy birthday. Um, December 1st. Um, he played it the next year. And all the only thing I remember about it is that my dad, who taught theater at the local university, told me in no uncertain terms that my brother was a much better Scrooge than I was, <laughs> which is uh, no doubt true. I mean, he did it probably to take me down a peg because I was so obnoxiously full of myself and, um, and, and Mike needed a little support, you know, and um, uh, Mike was much better looking than me and much more talented. Um, but uh, I just remember him saying that Mike was a better actor than I was, and that it, I had better, I had better really watch it, and um, and that stayed with me. And uh, uh, then I played Scrooge again and again. I then played it at the Great American Melodrama in Oceano, California, when I was wow. like twenty-four years old, and then I I I directed and wrote a version of it in Monmouth, Oregon, that my father played Scrooge in. And then that, that particular adaptation of it, I think is still done out there in Oregon uh, every year. Um, 
and uh and, and so and then uh finally i did uh not finally but then i did uh uh the madison square garden remember when there, the christmas carol was at madison square garden mm-hmm. that mike ockren directed with sue stroman and and mm-hmm. um, and i understudied roger daltrey in that and i uh, and i also understudied paul candell uh who was playing marley and then uh, paul left the show to do titanic and so I took over as Marley, but then Roger got sick. So I, I then had to do many, many, many performances as Scrooge. And what I remember most about that is um, that because the house was so large, it was a 5,000 seat house, they'd gotten a, a, a special dispensation from equity that they didn't have to stuff the program with a thing that said that I was in. So they'd make an announcement before every show and they oh would say, God. Uh, 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 ladies and gentlemen, the role of Scrooge, normally played by Roger Daltrey, would be played by Patrick Page. <laughs> after which, you would hear five thousand people <laughs> and then oh, no. in unison. Um, that is not I, a Christmas spirit, right there. No, I know, but it was it, it was what I needed. And then, um, and then I played it for a couple of years in Pittsburgh, and of course, now I'm doing Spirited. So there's something Amazing. in the universe that wants me to learn that lesson. And I'm still learning it. I can't Amazing. help but think that when you hear those people booing at that announcement, that every single one of them is your father telling you yeah, that your brother's better at it than my, you. My dad was wonderfully supportive, <laughs> ridiculously supportive. So I don't mean to paint him in that light. The fact that no, he I said know. that one time is why I remember it. Although when you directed him in the production, you didn't pull that one back out and be like, you know, that was a decent rendering, but I think Mike might have been better. You know, it's so funny <laughs> because... Um, that put me, that was such a reversal of roles with me directing him in that. And what I remember is he had, he had just turned 65, I think, and he hadn't acted in 10 or 15 years. And he couldn't, he couldn't get the lines under his belt. And I remember him coming to me and crying, sobbing, saying, I can't do this. And I was like, yes, you can. And he eventually would, uh, he would place lines all over the set uh, and he got through it. And then eventually, of course, after he got over those nerves, he was wonderful. And he played it for 10 or 15 years in Monmouth. It became a tradition for him. Wow, that's incredible. Patrick, when, when, are you, when are you writing the book? When, when, when are we getting the book? My book? Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, it's funny that you should say that because the one I have in my head is to write uh, about like different kind of stories of that kind. Speaking of which is totally off the subject, but I just am reading Bono's new memoir. If you, he is a brilliant writer, absolutely brilliant. You should read it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Can you also, can you also make it an audio book, please? Yes. Naturally. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, We were kind of talking about father, sons, and I know, uh, Sebastian and Bryce with kids. Uh, Bryce, are there New York holiday traditions shows? Every uh, Christmas shows or holiday themed shows are events. You know, people come from far and wide to take part in that energy of New York City. What are what are the events that you must do or have become traditions for your for your kiddos? Well, we're we're early days in my house, so I've got a three year old and a two year old, so we're still sort of developing those. But I will mm-hmm. say that. Um, you know, being at Ohio State murders the James Earl Jones Theater is very close to Radio City. And 
you know, you got to see the Rockettes. You just have to do it. It has to be part of your um, New York holiday experience. And certainly I see people, you know, people stop me on the, on the street as I'm headed to the theater, which way to, which way to, which way. Um, So, so that one comes to mind for sure. Um, But in our house, we're still like, we drive around the neighborhood and look for Christmas lights. And like, that is exciting to, to, to our house. We all look, there's Christmas. Oh, there's Christmas. Um, So we're still in that like early days of learning what, what, uh, what the holidays are. And, and, Frankly, you know, my, my wife and I um, were having discussions about like, how do we, how do we root these traditions in, in something more than just asking for presents? And, um, you know, so, so it's, it's kind of fun to, to try and figure out ways to, to create traditions of, of meaning and um, that, that, you know, teach lessons that span past the, past the holidays. Um, that's our goal anyway. You know, uh, if if we get the kids out the door with clothes on, we're winning. So so if we can also also get uh, a couple of holiday lessons in there in the next few years. We'll, we'll be we'll be pleased. But no rockets yet. No rockets yet for for my team. We'll soon. And then once you do, once you cross that line, there will be ballet shoes and high kicks just about exactly. everywhere. Exactly. When we're dealing with some of these shows, Elf, uh, Grinch, Holiday Inn. Uh, there's often a very specific Christmas holiday-ish message that we are trying to send. Um, why do you think that uh, those messages resonate so much with audiences that we create these events? And is it a special thing to be able to, to present those? Lots of nodding. I mean, I mean, yeah. to be sure, I mean, the, Getting to do, uh, at least in, in the case of Elf, getting to do a a, 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 a property, an idea, uh, 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 in, really a modern classic um, for everyone, but for young children specifically. I remember when I got the part, I was really thrilled with the notion that my young nieces and nephews might actually be able to attend an opening and have it be of significance to them. Um, and to see the joy and unadulterated joy and open-heartedness and um, acceptance uh, that sort of permeated that whole, just, it's like, it's just poured out of that theater and into that theater on a daily basis. Uh, Kids looking at you like you were Santa, you know? Um, It was, some of the most rewarding work I've ever done, absolutely the hardest job I've ever done. Um, and it really was about letting go and, and accepting the process just as much as the show was about, uh, you know, letting go and ex- accepting um, and acceptance and love and care. And, 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 and it was, uh, I mean, this might as well be called, right? The po- Sorry, Bryce, the podcast of Green Furry Outfits. I mean, we, you know, those are also uh, uh, pictures that you can't escape, I will tell you, uh, 13 years later. Um, but uh, it was, it was about, as, it was about as joyful and um, 
it was like totally all encompassing. There was no going. I know Patrick, you, you probably relate to this with the Grinch. I mean, you can't drop it for a second. If you drop that for a second, a second, it the whole illusion goes away. And these are, you know, big, full, you know, Elf was a big brassy New York two and a half hour like musical. And if and 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 it was a real lesson in commitment and setting aside expectation, setting aside, you know, in some regard the uh, source material because obviously we were going to be slightly, you know, significantly more saccharine than, than the movie and just kind of like diving in, uh, which was daunting, scary, scary as all get out, but, uh, it was so thrilling and so joyful. Patrick, what did you notice in the difference of the audience reaction with lots of kids in the audience? Well, kids are honest, aren't they? I mean, they, sure. they, they will not hide their boredom and they also will not hide their enthusiasm. Peter Brook, the, 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 probably the greatest theater director of the 20th century, um, he, who recently passed away, but he was the, the great, great guru of theater. And he had his own theater company in Paris for years. And what he would always, when doing Shakespeare or doing uh, uh, other classics, he would bring in school children, third, third grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, uh, in, went into their early run-throughs. And they would do the show for school children so that, and he would sit facing, not watching the actors, but watching the children to notice when they're becoming bored, when they're becoming interested, when are they engaged in the story, when are they not? Because they're like a lie detector. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, my father ran a, a children's theater called the Apple Box Children's Theater when I was a, a kid. So I have, uh, and in high school, and I had tremendous respect and admiration for uh, theater that's done for families and, and for children. You know, I did Beauty and the Beast for years, same thing. And it, to me, it feels like such an incredible privilege to be in that kind of work. Um, and with Grinch, it was, it was that, you know, and, and of course you're, and and uh, I know Sebastian sort of alluded to this. You're 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 stepping into a character that they already know and have a relationship with and love. In a way, you're you you're the protector of that character, mm -hmm. and you better you better guard that legacy. When I was uh, when I when I had auditioned for Grinch, uh, the producers, uh, I mean the directors. And the creative team had decided that they wanted me to do it. And even the producers of the show wanted me to do it. But I had to be approved by the um, Theodore Geisel estate, by the, oh. um, by the Dr. Seuss estate. And so they sent out a gentleman from La Jolla, an old, old man. And he came to see me in The Lion King. And he just had to give the yes. And I remember he came to my dressing room afterwards and I was still in all that lion makeup and everything. And I opened the door and I thought he was gonna throw his arms around me and say, thank God we found our Grinch. And he didn't at all. He just said, thank you. He said, thank you for, for your performance. And he left. No. And at that moment, I realized how much I wanted. I, I grew up with the Grinch. The Grinch was my guy. I had memorized the entire book and uh, so I got my makeup off as fast as I could and I ran down into Times Square 
And I started looking for this old man. Well, can you imagine trying to find one old man in Times Square? And I, I don't know how I did, but miraculously I found this guy in a crowd and I ran up to him and I said, look, I know that you can find someone who will sell more tickets than me. I know that you can find someone who will get more publicity and more press than me. I know all of that, but you will not find anyone who will guard this material, love this material and protect this material the way I will. That's all I want to say. And I said, goodbye. I got on the subway. I got up to 96th street, my phone rang and it was the director. And he said, uh, what did you say to that guy? And I was like, oh my God, I really blew it. And uh, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I chased the old man down in the street. He said, well, whatever you said, you got the part. And you're kidding uh, me. It's one of the only times I've done that where I just cared about the character so much. And you know, this cartoon character, but it was in my mm. heart because something goes into your heart when you're a child and it stays there. And then I took that lesson to be like, oh man, you're part of these people's story when you play a character like Buddy or the Grinch or Scrooge, you're already in their story and you better step up to that, you know? That's really extraordinary, my gosh. Yeah, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a mantle uh, a burden to to carry to have that expectation. Um, I want to ask you, Bryce, going back to Holiday Inn, musically, uh, we all have these memories embedded in us based on what certain holiday songs make us feel. Um, what's the weight of bringing songs like White Christmas and the and the holiday songs that people know and love? Uh, to an audience while, you know, with wanting it to be warm and fuzzy while still maintaining your integrity as an incredible actor. Yes. Well, first I just want to say that that story just made me realize I have to, I have to chase down more old men yeah. in Times Square. Mm -hmm. Every, <laughs> that should be the takeaway for all of our listeners today. If you're not doing that, that's why you're not booking. Yeah. You know, that, that sounds like the title of a Christmas song. Yeah. <laughs> Chasing down old men in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> grandma got her song yeah um to your question about uh musically songs that we associate with the holidays and 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 it, it dovetails with what um both uh, patrick and and sebastian are talking about material that we know so well that we have you know uh core memories formed around as children and um how to protect that and and do right by it but also the tricky thing as performers is you know we're not those people and so i i remember thinking well i don't sound like bing crosby let's just start there um yeah. and i had to sort of release that and say great i'm not gonna do a bing crosby impression i'm gonna try and impersonate his heart and if i can do that through my heart and the the voice that comes out will be mine and not his um, then that's the best I can do. And so, uh, it, it was, it was a challenge to get there because I kept, you know, we're performers, we compare ourselves to each other. It's our disease, you know? And so I, um, I had a hard time with that song in particular because it's a core memory of mine. Um, and, and, and I, I, I remember, uh, we would, that was our sort of post Thanksgiving, 
uh, film in our house. And my mom loved that, that movie and, and, and loved that song and, and also loved the movie based on that song. So, um, but eventually I got to a place where uh, I realized that people were coming to our show and creating new core memories, you know, especially young people who maybe hadn't encountered the movie yet. Um, and, and that's what's so special to answer another previous question of yours about doing these shows at Christmas time in New York is you know that core memories are being made in your audience. Both young people and families are, 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 are making that story that in a few years time is, oh, remember when we saw um, the Grinch and Patrick Page was amazing and we saw Elf and Seb was incredible. And, and um, you know, that, that, that you're actually in the middle of that happening. It, it, it's mm. a pinch me, it's a pinch me um, experience as a performer. And I remember uh, on Christmas Eve performing, walking into to Holiday Inn on Christmas Eve, and it was snowing. It was the first time it started snowing. And I was like, there's no way. I mean, it was, again, one of those, like, you got to be kidding me moments. So it's really going to snow on Christmas Eve when I sing White Christmas on Christmas Eve to all these people in the matinee. <laughs> and, you know, you, it doesn't, you can't write it. You can't write it. And um, uh, I, I think there's a, there is a sort of um, reverence, but also uh, for the performers out there, you know, there, there has to be a certain freedom to make it, to make it your own um, and to not just try and recreate what some, what another performer has done. Cause that's always just a foolhardy mission, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so um, I don't know if that answered any or all of your questions, but, but that's, that's my story and I'm sticking It absolutely it. did. Um, I want to throw a curveball at you because of these three musicals we're talking about in particular, they're, they're big, splashy, dancey, wancy, big musical numbers kind of pieces. Let's talk about choreography. Um, <laughs> I want to know. I would love to dance on the radio. Thank you. Uh, yeah. How do you, uh, I'm not going to make you dance, although that would be really fun for me. Uh, what is this when you're presented with having to do these numbers and remain in character and tell the story? Uh, do you feel comfortable in that? Do you fancy yourselves movers, dancers? Uh, how do you rise to the occasion uh, or not? <laughs> I think or not for me. I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I think you, you, well, for me, I go straight back to, to backstage at the Nutcracker, terrified of all these dancers around me and not knowing a single step. You know, I had to write, I had to write left on each, you know, on each one of my shoes. Um, I think you, you, you lean into the spirit of what's being asked of you. And you also, uh, come to the table humbly saying these are my limits and you know if you're lucky to have a compassionate choreographer who um will will help you and give you things that you know are, are not going to fully expose me as the fraud that i am um but yeah i always tell people i will move with the best of them but if you want me to if you want this part to have dance uh, respectfully, you might need somebody else. Uh, so I love to move. Uh, I'll, I'll move in all sorts of different ways. But, you know, the dancers we have in our industry are athletes of a different nature and are highly skilled individuals. And so to attempt to, um, you know, I like 
I like playing basketball in my backyard, but I'm not going to go down to Madison Square Garden and try and hop on the floor, you know. So, um, so, so that's my that's my sports analogy for it. I, I think it's you know something I'm I love doing, but that doesn't mean people love watching yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I, tell I, you. Go ahead. I can tell you that uh, in Elf, we ha I had these beautiful, beautiful uh, shoes, Deluca green curled Elf you know, slippers that were just magnificent. What they did not have were tap, um, you know, I don't even know what you call it, metal on the bottom of them. They were not tap shoes. And we had big tap numbers. Uh, I tapped without the sound. Um, I can tell you, speaking of the grace of, of our choreographer, God bless Casey Nicola and uh, his associate on that show, Casey Hushin, because I met with them, I met with Casey Hushin several times prior to the beginning of rehearsals to try and get up to speed on what had to be this big old splashy tap number at the end of the show. And I, I, I worked my way through it, but definitely mover. Definitely, I, I was an athlete. Uh, I got soccer, baseball, and basketball in my blood. What can we do? <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yep. uh, but, uh, Man, no one needs to see me dance. And according to my wife, I do this weird thing when I dance where I like stick my, like Michael Jordan, I stick my, just not as well, uh, like my tongue, like in my cheeks. So I'm like, dance. I'm like dancing with this. She's like, you can't do that. You it's can't. a character choice. I was like, uh, I'm doing if the best it's a I big can stage, It doesn't matter. But again, it gets back to commitment, right? It gets back to like letting go and fully committing. I can tell you this also, a little side story. I was auditioning for Elf and you know how you typically go into the middle of the room, you you know, you, you give your music and you go and you stand in the middle of the room and you do your audition. And uh, and I I admit that when I first sang the tune for the, for the audition for Elf, I, I sang fine and I, and I felt committed, but I hadn't fully committed. And I could tell that I was just kind of disappointing them. And Casey, God bless him, he said, can you do it again? And this time just, just, and I can't remember the words he used and I don't even know if he got the words out, but I knew what he meant, which was just go there. And I said, and it was actually sort of a seminal moment for me as an actor, I have to admit, where I said, I have to go all the way or I, there's no, what are we doing? And I remember I sat down on the ground in crisscross applesauce and I started kind of like leaning back you know forth and by the end of the number I was like sitting on their table hugging the pianist uh uh like peering down at 43rd street down below um we had that that uh I, I'll, I'll say this in Stephanie's uh credit uh, there's the scene where he talks about going to um, you know Santa's coming to town at Macy's and so I'm doing the scene and doing the scene and they tell him the Santa's coming to town. And in the audition with the, you know, Santa Claus is coming, Santa Claus is coming to town. And he starts screaming and yelling. I was at Chelsea's and I literally deliver that line. I go to the door, I open the door and I scream out into an audition, into an audition hallway <laughs> full of people. And came back in and I think they were all kind of shocked. Like, did he just go there? Outside the room, Stephanie had accompanied me to the audition because I was so nervous. And she was sitting next to a musical uh, director, friend of ours, who literally 
in the silence of me going back in the room says, turns to her and says, good choice. And she turned to him and, she turned to him and said, good direction. <laughs> She's like, you gotta go there, Seb. If you're gonna do it, go there. This is what I think you should do. That's a mm. great story. She's and brilliant. I mean, what you're what you're saying about commitment, I've never put it exactly in those terms, but it really is absolutely true. That conviction and belief, and just like go there. Yeah, Nike, just do it. Do it. Is it yeah, a little bit of just go. letting go of the fear? of looking foolish or or being too much or yeah you know is that part of it getting yourself to get out of your idea of what you think the consequence may be if you do well yeah. it's a strange thing in our business i mean you know we 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 dive in in order to do it and then the first thing we do is get self-conscious you know i knew i got the phone call to audition for elf and i was like oh god oh god you know, when you have those moments, you're like, I don't know why or how, but I think, I think this is for me. And I called my wife and I was like, you know, they called me for an audition for Elf. And she's like, oh God, because oh. <laughs> in some regard, you know, I'm not particularly Elfin in nature. Like, I think I, I also like the fact that there's, I, I like taking on parts where someone might be, might say to you after hearing that you're doing it or might say of you upon hearing you, really? Like, is that interesting? Interesting choice. When in reality, you know in your gut that you've got what it takes to, or you think you've got what it takes to sort of step up to the plate. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's so important what you just said. Like, there's, there's a couple of, there's all many voices in the head. You know, so many voices in the head, and there's the one that's like, I want this, that has some desperation in it, and then there's just like that voice way down that says, for whatever reason. I think this is for me. And you recognize it in hindsight. Like, yeah, I always knew, like I knew that with the Grinch. I think this is for me. And uh, and and it's it's almost like you're watching the movie, like you've already seen the movie and you know you're supposed to do it. And then, yeah. you, and then you have to, then you have to step into it. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta uh, yell at more people in Telsey's office. <laughs> I mean, Taking notes, kiddos. <laughs> That's the way. Yeah, just let the quorum go. We are go. coming up with a lot of lessons for young. Aggressive. People. We're looking yeah. for aggressive choices. All away. Get Stephanie J. Block to direct you in everything. Now, I will also <laughs> add that at one point in my audition for Hair on Broadway, I may have stood on the piano and I did not get the job. <laughs> so you know there are limits. Mm -hmm. If you had there stood on the piano naked, you would still be in Hair to this day. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd still be at chelsea studios one of the two yeah um oh. want to touch base leaving christmas behind for just a moment i just want to check in with each of you yeah leaving putting a pin in in the christmas for for a hot second want to just check in on some of the here and now and moving forward in your lives and careers uh december 30th patrick will be your last performance in hades town um which is a bit of an end of an era uh, how did you come to the decision to leave? Same voice, that one that just knows. Mm. Um, the one, the same voice that says, this is for me, is the one that says, it's time to leave. It's not a head decision. It's a heart decision. It comes from somewhere and just says, okay, now's your time. And the, the end of a calendar year. 
I've been with the show since 2016. And uh, I've, uh, it's been a magnificent um, experience, a unique experience for me to, to, to be with a show and a role through so many iterations, so many workshops, so many um, productions, uh, Off-Broadway New York Theatre Workshop in Canada, a very different production there in London at the National Theatre, a very different production there. And then finally on Broadway, another very different production. And uh, with just uh, the journey of a lifetime. And, and uh, so just, just kind of time now to, to move on. Uh, throughout all of this, you've been pretty uh, public about your struggle with hearing loss. I saw even yesterday, you, you did a post where you were showing some of your hearing devices that you used during the filming of Spirited. Um, just quickly, how have you maintained and, and worked through that struggle in this industry? Well, you seem to be in a really I great place with it. feel so incredibly grateful to be living at a time where there's technology that can help. You know, if uh, I, 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 I couldn't work if, if, if the technology didn't exist. I, I couldn't do this podcast right now with you if the technology didn't exist. So mm. um, I, I just am just so grateful and and that's one of the reasons that I try to get the word out because I started losing my hearing in my 30s and I didn't get uh, hearing aids until I was um, 55 I think so I and I had many years of I realized that much of my depression and anxiety um, was uh, the fact that I I couldn't hear people and I couldn't therefore I couldn't participate in conversations and uh, and I would have a lot of uh, uh, not just anxiety but uh, annoyance at other people, anger, uh, thinking like speak up, you know, use your voice, them diction, and 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 it wasn't them, it was me. You know, I never said this to people. I would just I would just um, stop participating, and so uh, and and with Paige, bless her heart, my God, what she's had to go through. Uh, over the years. And so um, I, I just want people to know that their lives can improve exponentially with technology. Yeah, it's remarkable. Uh, Bryce, you know, I look at your resume and you, you bounce so easily between the musical theater and what we like to call the straight acting, the plays. Um, you know, anything from the Heidi Chronicles and, and, and um, Gentleman's Guide. Uh, in that, what are your kind of proudest moments in those different playgrounds that you get to play in? Well, first of all, I'll say thank you. And second of all, I'll say, you know, part of the reason I always wanted to be able to do that is looking up to performers like Seb and Patrick who are also able to do that and you know watching mm -hmm. um one of the amazing things about this business is that you if you're lucky you get to sort of follow your heroes and then also join them uh, on a podcast or or on stage and um I remember getting some good advice in grad school which was like find people whose careers you want to emulate who are you know, uh, a, a little further on in their career than where yours is. And 
these two performers you're you're having on as well as others i saw careers that i wanted to emulate people who are doing broadway musicals and shakespeare and um you know uh plays like a time to kill and so uh i always knew that i wanted to do more than just one thing because as as these guys will tell you that's that's the that's the catnip of an of an actor is is to 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 find a new challenge to find a new um a new way to grow and stretch your own instrument and so uh i, I was really proud uh, to answer your question directly of going from gentleman's guide into the heidi chronicles and you know i went to i went to drama school i i didn't go to a musical theater school um and i i thought that i would you know try and be in plays on Broadway and, and elsewhere. And so um, I didn't know that it would take a musical for me to uh, for me to get an offer to finally get to do a play on Broadway. And so I was really proud of that and and, and really proud of the performance and, and, and the production. And um, you know, another one of those, uh, another one of those two others of those actors like these guys that I sort of chose as as beacons, career beacons, was David Hyde Pierce and Boyd Gaines. And um, they had both played the part that I was offered to play in the Heidi Chronicles. And, and, and that just, to me, um, was a validation of that mm. sort of, um, you know, um, envisioning what, what you, and, and specificity of what you, you're, you're act actually after as a performer and a, and a business person, you know, we're all running our own careers. Um, and so, I was really proud of that and, and, and proud to join the sort of tradition and lineage of, of that piece and, and, um, and be able to say, yeah, I do, I, I do both and I do want to do both. And I want to claim that openly that, that, that I want to be able to do both plays and musicals. And I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed. Um, so, so thanks for letting me talk about myself. Well, and, and your ability to do that speaks to younger people who so often will pigeonhole themselves or, or believe people who are pigeonholing them to say, well, no, but you're a this or you're a that because I can recognize that. And then I look at somebody like a Bryce Pinkham and go, oh, not true. Look what's possible for me. Um, and there's there's power and weight to that. But it is important to say that, you know, I also had to learn the difficult lesson of, yes, but you also need to get a foot in the door and you also need to get work and you also need to walk through the doors that are open for you. And sometimes I think, uh, I think you leave, at least I left school being like, well, I can, I can obviously do anything. So let's go world. And the, the business had to sort of say, yeah, but here's what I think you could do now. And, you know, you start to grow and branch out from there. So it's not, it's never a bad thing to get specific and have somebody say, Hey, here's, here's a place that I think you could work. Um, knowing that in the long term, you know, your goal is to 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 grow a, a, a Patrick Page, a Sebastian Arcelis career out of where you start. You know, it's got to start somewhere and it's got to, you know, every every tree starts with a seed. And grows in its own fashion, too. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian, I, I've always thought this about you. You're a really loving person. And I know that sounds like I'm flirting with you on this podcast, but uh, I've always felt that about you. And I've known you a very, very long time. You have a great spirit to be around. Um, in thinking about career longevity, how much does keeping a balance in your life off the stage um, fit into having career longevity um, and not 
driving yourself crazy or becoming too obsessed or or taking things into a place that they don't necessarily need to be. I feel like you, in my mind, are a great example of that kind of balance. You know, I I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I try to be. Um, and I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, there's certain things that I know with certainty, and that's that my family comes first. And then there's other things that I don't know at all, which is how to really balance it. I mean, in the end, I'd say I'm sort of imbalanced, which is that I'm far, like, and appropriately so, and 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 necessarily so, far skewed towards just wanting to be present for my family, which actually makes trying to find the windows for work and a and almost like uh, uh, work uh, that will coincide with that goal um, happen. Um, I, you know, not to get too personal, but I remember, you know, in these last couple of years where I have to be honest, I wasn't working at all. Um, uh, many of us weren't, but, um, but I, you know, I was thinking to myself, what, what is it that I really want at this stage of my life? You know, I want to put my child to bed and I want to work in, a, <clears throat> in an environment where I don't have to leave my family. And just, you know, within a couple of months, Steph and I are on stage together. It doesn't make sense. You know, it's sort of that, you know, idea of intentional prayer, right? Um, or just intention if you're not the praying type. So, uh as I get older, <clears throat> certainly as I have family, I'm finding that uh, balance is the goal. Ambition certainly is not. Um, and success means balance. Um, but uh, I find that I, I'm having a hard time finding the balance because really I just want to be where I need to be, which is, you know, to put the family. Um, so that's a really convoluted answer to your question. Um, it's a juggle. We have to pay the bills. Health insurance is, you know, paramount. Um, <clears throat> Bryce, all of your comments are so beautiful, but I look at you, man, and I'm like, man, he's, he's, that man's got it. Um, and, and, and Patrick, I, I can't tell you for me, having been a part of a time to kill, which we all love doing so much. And yet it did not, you know, uh, last as long as we might have liked to get to then sit and watch you at New York Theater Workshop and then again in, um, in the Broadway production of Town, just completely sore and know as your friend and colleague that you were in a hit and that you were getting to soar within that space was like like just food for the soul um, uh, you know I think a lot of young people do, we do sort of look at what other people are doing or what they have, or, and you compare yourself invariably, even if you try not to. And yet I find as you get older, I'm just happy for my friends. And I'm happy that if along the way, I can um, find my place. And yet I get sort of inordinately upset if any job requires me to be away from my family for any extended period of time. It's almost uh, unacceptable to me. So it, you start to narrow your scope to such a degree where you're like, how am I, not just when am I going to work or how am I going to work if I want to balance what I really care about with what I love to do? Um, 
And, you know, that's an ever evolving uh, discussion in my head and in this family and, and in relation to where we are in the world. I guess also that probably is, is uh, <clears throat> not to go on and on, but it's probably why as you get older, you also want to expand into other forms of, of, of expression, be it creating your own content or writing or um, producing or acting in such a manner that you can try and be a little bit more in control of your, of your schedule. Um, it's, it's, amazing tough... that, uh, it's amazing that you, uh, when you became so clear and intentional that that happened in Into the Woods with you and Stephanie. It's and shocking. Even, even beyond that, that you were able to notice it and, and take in the fact that that was the completion of an intention. And, and you, I, I think, you know, I, I really believe miracles are happening all the time if we're able to notice them. You know, uh, when Bryce was talking about the snow falling as he entered the theater, you know, me talking about the, the Grinch coming from my childhood, that it really is about clearing away all of the stuff that we think we want because somewhere along the line, somebody told us we were supposed to. And right, again, right, right. But it is actually coming from our heart, you finding like, I know I want to be with my family. And then somehow there's some principle that nobody's been able to codify yet in a lab, but it exists. It is science. It is real. When you get clear like that, then things line up and they begin working along and in tandem with you, with, with what you've, with what you've seen. And, 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 and it's just, uh, it's just miraculous if you if you're if you're awake to notice it when it happens, and it can be tiny. Yeah, and that's it can be tiny things. It can be Bryce could have walked in that night and not noticed that snow, but he noticed it. It went into his heart, and it's. I think you when you appreciate and notice something, you get more of it. Wow, just and wanna... still and and, yeah. and and not to and and not to because what you said you you describe it so beautifully, Patrick, and um and not to um turn the table but and it's still we're some very privileged to do what we do and how we do it but it even it still comes at a cost like you know even getting to do into the woods i still neither of us was putting our child to bed and right. so the the balance you know it works in one form and yet it it shifts in another and so yeah, it's like absolutely it's like in every great weird, Great yeah. mythological tale. There's sacrifice on the way to the yeah, there you go destination. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I just want to lift up something else that Seb said, which is that has taken me a while to learn, and and I think for your younger listeners, um, it just has to be restated that there's a special power, and this ties into the holidays too, a special power that is given to you when you learn to celebrate the successes of others and not mm. see them as a referendum on your own sense of failure. Um, it really took me a long time to learn that there's enough pie for everybody and celebrating when somebody like Sebastian at Patrick is, Patrick's show, you know, going, oh man, look at that great piece of pie he's chewing on. Uh, I'm so <laughs> happy go. for him, so happy for him. That there's a there's a there's an incredible um, release of 
um, what is natural, a competitive, you know, I grew up an athlete too. So there's a competitive spirit um, that is just, that does not serve us as artists and as human beings, you know, it might serve us on the court or on the field, but um, <clears throat> it can be confusing, especially in the early days when you, when you see people getting things that you want and, and, and back to this idea of the holidays and, and how do we teach our, our kids or our young people or our family to think less about getting and more about giving. It's so, so hallmark of me to say, but it's really true that there's something, there's something um, equally um, powerful yet unable to be codified about that, about giving um, celebration outwards away from yourself and at yeah. your peers and colleagues that is suddenly you start to do that and you realize, oh my gosh, all this stuff is coming at me and people mm. are celebrating me. Um, so it, it, it's really, a um, it's a really hard thing to practice, but, but, you know, a, a lesson that took me too long to learn. It's a you longer know, game and we're all on the same team. Yeah. And it's so important, uh, Bryce, what you said, because, uh, there that I, and it's at the heart of so, of so many of these Christmas stories, right? Scrooge being isolated from the community, looking at it enviously, looking at it with hatred, and then ultimately realizing there's enough for him. He can go over to his nephew's house. He can be part of it. The Grinch looking down at Whoville and thinking, ah, you know, that I hate their singing down there. And then it's really just the sense of, there's enough. There's enough song for you. You can you can go down and be among the people. And I think it's so hard nowadays for young people because uh, of social media. Agreed. And you look around and you think, oh, my God, people are, are living these extraordinary lives. And of course, what you're seeing is a tiny sliver of their life. You're seeing that the little piece of their life that they chose to share on social media and uh, and it's, it really is a superpower to be able to celebrate the success of everyone around you and know that your time will come. The one thing I want to say to young people all the time is this is a very, very, very long game if you're lucky. Uh, if I had, if Hadestown or any of these things had happened for me when I first came to New York, when I thought they should happen for me when I was young, I would not, uh, I would not have been able to um, appreciate or handle them um, because I was in that mindset of um, me and them as opposed to us, here we are, here we are. And, and everybody's time will come uh, and the wonderful thing about the amount of content today on television and film and theater and all of that is there's, there's some place out there where you're the only one who's can do it. You know, there, there may have been no role for someone until the day there is their role. And, uh, it's just about, again, it's that quiet part down deep that says, okay, this is, this one's for me. Uh, Andre de Shield said to me about, uh, about this, you know, it's like, take only those gifts that are for Andre and leave the others that are for everyone else. <laughs> and, and, and if you get quiet enough, you know, which ones are for Patrick or for Sebastian or for Bryce, you know, 
you have that little voice that says when Buddy comes along, Buddy the Elf, for whatever reason, this is weird. People don't think of me in this way, but this is this is for me, I think. I think this is for me, you know? Yeah, and not allowing and other you, people's things to be a comment on you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you, and then you go to physical therapy. <laughs> and then you go to physical therapy. Yes, well, yeah, for any of these Christmas shows. Which you will go to. And do the exercises afterwards, people. Don't just do it at physical therapy, <laughs> goddammit. Uh, gentlemen, this has been such a marvelous conversation. I feel really lifted. And um, thank you for sharing with us. This is really, really wonderful. I wish you oh, man, the happiest I take of it holidays. To I want to take it to brunch. I want to take it right to brunch. <laughs> Let's go. To brunch we go. Tra-la-la. Uh, Bryce, Patrick, Sebastian. Thank you so much. I hope to see all of you soon. Well, that was just a big, warm Christmas cookie for all of us to enjoy. I want to say thank you so much to Patrick Page, Sebastian Arcellus, Bryce Pinkham, incredible artists. Um, what a conversation that was. I absolutely loved it. What do I hear on the roof? Is that the clip clock of reindeer hooves? Um, I'm really in the spirit now. I think I might go caroling, so... Lock your doors, hide your kids, hide your wives. All right, my friends, until next time, got to remind you to subscribe to the show, rate us, review us, share us with your friends. It is the season of sharing and giving after all. Make sure you follow us on social media at The Broadway Cast. Follow me at Ben Does Broadway and get for your loved ones this year. What a great stocking stuffer to get them a Patreon subscription where they can get exclusive content made just for our Patreon family. All you got to do to support us that way is click the link in the liner notes. I'm wishing all of you an incredibly safe, warm, and happy holiday season, no matter how you celebrate. I hope that you are able to spend that with friends and family and feel that love that we feel in our theater community. All right, until next time, I'm your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, saying have a great holiday show. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.